and we are recording in progress recording with dr robert malone and mr mickey willis uh both fellow illuminati members uh we are in skull and bones we uh we are behind the great reset um doctor another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Malone's been on here a million times before. His book obviously over his uh, shoulder. Lies my government told me and in the description will be his getter, Twitter, Substack, all the good stuff. And Mr. Willis, who I have not spoken to before, I was actually turned on to by Dr. Malone. I think about a month ago, a month and a half ago, you sent me a video called Our Birthright, which will also be in the description. And it is a it is a preview of really kind of encapsulating your work, Mickey. And I it stuck with me because the way you laid it out so perfectly, you said all these movements, Occupy Wall Street, the 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 truckers in Canada, they get so close to the finish line and then they all fall apart in the same manner. It's not that they all just fall apart in the same manner. And it's infighting. And anyone who has taken a middle school history class should point to immediately COINTELPRO from the FBI in the 60s and 70s and how that's always the same trademark. Could you maybe comment on that? Yeah, you know, a, a lot of it is internally through our corrupt agencies that get the ball rolling. But I'll have to say that uh, through my investigations, uh, uh, another great portion of it is simply done through the paranoia of the people. People uh, th either through just pure paranoia or the fact that once something starts to get solved, the problem that starts to get solved and people start to lose their importance, because a lot of people that don't have power kind of rise to this newly found power because they're suddenly truth tellers and they're making a difference and all of that. And once things start to get solved and, and there's a light at the end of the tunnel, uh, there's a there's a really bizarre tendency for a lot of people to then start their own fires and do that internally. And so uh, it, it, there's a lot of reasons for it, but it's absolutely a, a problem that I've witnessed through the decades. Dr. Malone? Well, I don't have the experience of Mickey, and I'm very grateful for his counsel uh, when, he, when he shares it with me. Uh, I don't always follow it, but I always listen to it carefully. Uh, and... Um, there's no question that we have seen uh, the rise of splintering uh, within uh, whatever you want to call this uh, embryonic movement. Uh, my wife hates the term movement because of the relationship to uh, um, the uh, gastrointestinal tract. Uh, but uh, whatever we want to call it, uh, there there has been we, we went through a period of amazing cohesion and growth and then a, a period of fragmentation. And there absolutely were and still are, I believe, uh, identified actors that are promoting that. Uh, Brownstone just recently smoked out another one that was a, a retired army captain that uh, has been very active on Twitter for a number of years now and apparently is tied through a subcontract 
to the Department of Defense, and this person has been attacking anybody who is and speaking out against the official narrative concerning vaccines and the uh, government's response to uh, the COVID crisis. So the, these 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 uh, um, uh, these intentional paid actors who sow division and uh, act to disrupt um, are absolute are out there uh, and. I, I completely concur with Mickey. There's some other very odd organic process that happens with humans. Uh, in in it has a, in some cases it has a component of uh, jealousy or uh, in others attention seeking behavior. Uh, um, it's it's can be extremely counterproductive. And uh, there are there are individuals who who have been um, actively involved in this and have taken enormous amounts of pressure from others in the uh, in their group uh, about what they've been doing. They've they've been uh, defunded, uh, uh, forced out of organizations, etc., for their behavior, and yet they still persist. So whatever it is, it's there's some force psychologically that's very strongly reinforcing, and it it seems to be somewhat similar to a diagnosis, um, of uh, that I've I, you know, that exists. Uh, there are those who are oppositionally defiant. Uh, that, you know, basically anybody that they perceive as pushing in certain ways, they they have a reactive defiance to. I don't really understand what what is the basis for much of this but there's there's no question it occurs and it it is very much a human phenomenon as as uh, mickey is pointing out it's not only uh threats from without but also threats from within over mickey real quick how old are you 55 so you're 55 dr malone's 64 so what's that it's that's what's what 109 and then I'm 32, so that's 141. 141 years between us, and we all smiled at the joke about movements and poop. So just wanted to put that out there for levity is those jokes will never get old. What you said, Dr. Malone. We'll have to, with, with, with Jill, because there there is a, um, a, a need to move all of the fecal matter out of our systems. And sure. so I think movement is pretty appropriate. Beautiful. Um, <laughs> Well, and then what Dr. Malone said is, and what you said as well, Mickey, is it's not always, it's not always a top-down, you know, corporate, deep state, whatever, um, state actors, although they do exist, is there also is the human phenomenon of paranoia, and also, and I can speak from it myself, you know, let he who's without sin cast the first stone, jealousy. I, I think Dr. Malone first came on here, episode 495, July 2021. Uh, you came on here a couple times. Dr. McCullough came on here a couple times. My baby, my podcast that I built from a laptop above my parents' garage, banned from YouTube for it. I don't regret it. And then when you guys, when you both went on uh, Joe Rogan, I had this huge pang of jealousy. I was like, I had, a, everyone's given him credit. Of course, my own ego getting in the way. But eventually I had to stop and examine. And I'm like, what do you really care about more? Do you actually stand by what you say? You want to get the message out there and fight censorship, or is this about Tommy? And there's that, there's that tough moment where you go, 
yeah, I'm really jealous. I'm really jealous that he's getting up. And you, you examine that, you sit with it, and then you move forward. So that's also just from my own experiences as I can speak from that. Jealousy is a huge, I got the story out. I'm the one that broke it. Yeah, that that's a human thing. But it's also- Can I add something to that? Yes, Tell sir. And um, it, this is a relay race. And so in a relay race, you know, you pass a baton to the runner in front of you. And one runner out of all the runners that pass a baton gets to actually cross the finish line. Beautiful. They get they get the accolades of winning the race, but it's the relay race. And so when I, I have, there's a lot of things that I put out in the world that I, I, I see other people take credit for. And it really matters nothing to me because okay. I pass the baton, planted a seed, opened up a conversation, and now somebody's taken it out far further and wider than I could ever do. And it, when we keep our focus on really what the big game is and not the uh, the egoic, um, you know, uh, necessity to to hoard and and be and be acknowledged, um, and we realize as long as we're fighting the same fight together, we're running the same race together, we all win. And that, that's one of the reasons I actually made that video. Um, it was inspired by my friend Robert Malone here on this podcast with us because I saw that he was being attacked from all angles. And perfect? No, he's not. Just like myself, we're all perfectly imperfect. But controlled opposition—that's something I can, I, I will, I, I will bet everything I have on that that's not the case. And so when I started seeing people say this, it didn't surprise me because when you have the person who was one of or the inventor of the technology that's being used to do the damage that's now happening in our world actually come forward. How many formulators and people that are involved in really deadly pharmaceuticals out there, they've never stepped forward because they're just afraid of the loss of their life or losing their status or their job or whatever it might be. And this man took a massive leap in the name of humanity and faced all the backlash of being suddenly being, you know, someone that could be on the, uh, you know, on the list for a Nobel Prize to suddenly be a quack and a crazy man and smeared and taking all those arrows. And yet, instead of just holding the gratitude for that move, you then have these people who will then start to flip that around. And, and suddenly, because of a mistake or something that someone said, or, or just suspicion starts to flow, or the fact that he still calls it a vaccine, and people don't agree with that, or that he worked for BARDA, and people mis mistook that for DARPA, and all these misunderstandings, instead of sitting down and speaking, and understanding that there's a big picture, bigger picture here. And that is for us to look very clearly. And the one question I ask is a lot of people within this movement, sorry, Jill, that, <laughs> that, um, that I disagree with, but I have to stop first because I'm often asked to expose people because I have a large reach with media and we, we, and we can certainly go up against a lot of the false narratives. But the first thing I do is I look at the character themselves. I look at their history. And usually, yeah, there is really something here uh, disturbing about the way this person handles themselves, or they're just a grifter and they're making money off of uh, off of the situation, whatever it might be. But are they making more progress than they're doing damage? I have to ask that question. And if they are, then I leave them alone. Mm -hmm. Because they're, they're, as long as we're moving in the right direction, then they are an ally. And and let's get, give them a shot too. I've had some conversations with some of these difficult people and some of them have just stopped doing what they're doing. And they've even gone out on major, you know, outlets like Infowars and other locations and made public apologies because I, you know, we took the time to stop and, and say, let's, let's talk about this for a moment. You can disagree with this person's science, but why are you out there smearing them? Do you know you're doing damage? 
counterproductive to the very thing you think you're fighting for. And so we need to wisen up when it comes to that. And we need to really, I think, you know, reality TV and all this gossip, you know, uh, tabloids and crap have just wired people in such a way that they don't stop to really consider that there's a human life at the other end of that. And even if they're imper imper imperfect and, and saying things that you disagree with, um, how do you approach that in such a way that we don't just create more fires as we're trying to put out the ones that are burning up our lives right now? Dr. Malone. I love the comment about uh, gossip because uh, I, I see there is absolutely a core component here. And in the internet age, the, we have some dynamics going on in social media that, that exploit this tendency of humans to want to gossip about stuff. I mean, this is a, a universal in terms of human behavior. And uh, everybody wants to rubber neck at, at the uh, car wreck. Uh, you know, the other day I drove by driving up north to Culpeper and some old guy had rolled a Viper. I was all covered with mud and I hope everybody was okay. But I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't not rubber neck. <laughs> um, what are you going to do? We all love to gossip. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention that Mickey I was surprised with all of his expertise uh, and experience he hadn't mentioned, uh, and I only became aware of after this uh, brilliant piece that he put out, and that is the term bad jacketing. So uh, uh, it turns out that this uh, tendency of humans to do this has is actually has a name that's attached to it a slang name for this uh, process. And you can you can look it up. Uh, it's long been known. And apparently bad jacketing is absolutely a uh, psyops uh, warfare conflict uh, approach that's been used historically by the FBI, promoting this idea that uh, someone is surreptitiously working for the enemy. Uh, and it's it's exceedingly insidious. People, uh, the, it creates an environment in which no one can be confident of anyone. Uh, in in once this, it, it's like a virus. Once once this accusation gets thrown out, uh, it's uh, I like to say, <clears throat> it's like being asked the question, "Have you stopped beating your wife?" Yeah. There's there's no right answer there. No matter what you say, you lose. Uh, you know, anything you say is confirmation in those that are so biased in that direction. Uh, you know, if if I if I say, well, no, I'm not a CIA agent. Well, that's exactly what a CIA agent would say. Yeah. Um, and there's just no way out. <laughs> there's not. Yeah. There is no way out of that. <clears throat> and I think you just kind of need a almost lean into it right just completely discard you know if you stop beating your wife just say no and move on you know just <laughs> uh. well i think it might have been mickey that counseled me uh certainly i got counseling from someone that the best way to handle this kind of stuff is with humor yeah uh so when when a lot of these accusations were flying around me much thicker uh and i went into the uh last of the uh, Ron Johnson testimonies on the on on the Hill in the Senate. 
uh, and was sitting around with a group and we were all introducing themselves. Uh, I introduced myself initially as a uh, um, CIA operative that was uh, surreptitiously infiltrating uh, this, this meeting uh, and I was absolutely controlled opposition and then I flipped it, but it, it got exactly, it got, it got, it really dropped the tension in the whole room. Yeah. Uh, it very effective using humor to counter this mm -hmm. in, in a way that that doesn't require that you reciprocate. I mean, it's so easy. I once took a course, uh, on the magic of conflict in which it was pointed out that when when you push somebody else, you know, push somebody else, they're going to push back and you end up doing this, right? If, if there's this normal instinctual response when somebody hits you to hit them back in the nose. And uh, that that generally doesn't go anywhere good. Uh, and But humor does seem to be uh, among the more effective of the relatively bad options that you're confronted with when this stuff gets floating. You know, one thing I want to, I want to say too, is that, um, while a lot of this is just generated through public, um, immaturity, it's also a very real thing. Mm -hmm. uh, there was just a, and I believe it was Denver, Colorado, that a, a person who was a, a kind of an organizer of a bunch of stuff that happened in, in, in the Colorado area, he drove a hearst. I just heard the story, so I don't know great detail about it, but it was just found out that this person was a paid informant, an FBI informant, and was was you know instigating a lot of trouble, and he was a real character. And so you would look at somebody like that and think this guy drives a hearst around town. He's kind of an old hippie. He's got this is the last guy that you would think is a FBI informant. And sure enough, he was. And so we really don't know. And I think that's where the paranoia comes from. It's it's kind of deserved in some way, but. Um, how I look at it is, look, I don't do anything illegal. I keep very clean. I pay my taxes begrudgingly, but I pay them and a lot more than I should. And anything that is, is spoken about, um, on through text or what apps or whatever that, you know, people reach out to me and say, can you hook me up with some, somebody who can give me a counterfeit voucher that I've been vaccinated because I have to travel or whatever. I just say, no, I don't do that. I don't, I don't any, anything like that that could be a potential trap or could look bad later if my phone ends up in the wrong hands. You know, I just make it really clear. I don't engage in anything like that. I'd love to help you and I wish you the best, but I can't even have a tiny infraction of, of anything illegal. And that way, at least I know that what I'm saying um, even if I'm dealing with people that are infiltrators or informers around me, they don't have anything on me. Yeah. You have to make it up and they will do that too. Yeah, they, they absolutely will. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm friends with some former Delta force guys, CIA guys, and they've, they've said to me and not as many words to, uh, you know, whoever you talk to, like d doing the podcast and the people I talk to, they're like, just whatever conversation you're having off air are you okay with that being played back to you on a projector in a courtroom? I just, yeah. I, I'm just like, and you know, and that sucks, right? Because that boxes you in. But at the same time, if you aren't actually doing anything, that's okay. And you, and that, and it makes you, I think it makes you more efficient of a, of an operator. And that that's just how you yield instead of trying to, which lie am I holding up? Which facade, which mask do I have? Who's this? Who's that? And what, uh, Mickey, what you just said about the, uh, the hippie guy, I'm reading a book right now. It's fantastic. I don't know the author. It's called Private Empire. It's about ExxonMobil. And they're talking mm -hmm. about this like early Greenpeace 
kind of staged whatever they 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 drove up to the gates of wherever the the headquarters was and they they came through and these guys ran out and you know they threw blood fake blood on the security guards and said this is the blood of the indigenous or whatever just hippie stuff and some of them ran up under the roof and they're throwing a, a a big beach ball painted like the earth around it was supposed to somehow symbolize global warming i don't know it was stupid but when exxon mobile with their limitless resources went and found how they had raised $125,000 for this um 124,000 was from one donor and that donor i believe was a former or current executive of of ExxonMobil and they went in or maybe it was BP regardless the mm-hmm. entire thing was sympathy for the big corporation these hippies are coming in and assaulting us and that's like the classified so it's very real what else yeah. is going on under the surface dr moan you're smiling what are you smiling about oh this uh yeah the false flag yeah um so in the so let me share another anecdote along these lines uh Mickey remembers well the Lincoln Memorial protest to stop the mandates that was uh, two Januarys ago. Um, there was uh, the coverage of that in Vanity Fair included uh, the assertion that there were Proud Boys there. Now, I, I had mentioned a moment ago that uh, I'm, I'm aware that there had been a uh, infiltrator disruptor that was active in this area and was active at that time with that protest and who did attempt to get Proud Boys to attend the meeting. We were not aware attend that protest. Now, they don't appear to have responded. And at the time, we were not aware that this person had this history of doing this type of activity. But uh, Vanity Fair went ahead and covered it as if there were pro boys there and used pictures from January 6th uh, to reinforce their point. That then got picked up uh, by another media outlet that again asserted that that based on the Vanity Fair article, there were proud boys at that protest. And then uh, recently, Peter Hotez put out an op-ed uh, peer-reviewed journal, Peter Hotez, the head of tropical medicine at Baylor University, and uh, many, including myself, have asserted that he was being groomed to be Tony Fauci's replacement, uh, a man who's a very strong advocate for vaccines. So he put out an op-ed in a peer-reviewed journal recently in which he asserted that uh, that vaccine, the, the anti-vaxxer movement is intrinsically uh, a um, uh, anti-Jewish movement, uh, and uh, that and and this is a theme that has been now repeated again and again. This was the one of the accusations against uh, Bobby Kennedy at that protest because he mentioned the Holocaust. This was the uh, accusation um, against a British MP recently uh, because he had cited a Israeli scientist who had uh, said that what was happening with the jabs was worse than the Holocaust. Uh, and so Andrew got kicked out of the conservative party. Oh, 
the parallelism between anti-vax uh, and anti-Jewish, and and um, uh, and citing as part of the basis that the Proud Boys were there at the Lincoln Memorial protest, which was all totally fabricated and then recycled within this hall of mirrors that's modern media. Um, and it appears, my sense is that there is a concerted effort to make this uh, connection, this false connection, because uh, the term anti-vaxxer has lost its potency. Uh, when they defined anybody who is against mandates as an anti-vaxxer, then suddenly the plurality or majority of Americans became anti-vaxxers and they kind of cut themselves off at the knees. Uh, but that's what you see is these kind of ecosystems that get set up to uh, create false flags and false narratives and then reinforce them and weaponize them. On that note, Plandemic 3 is a history lesson on how we got here. And we're featuring the work of a man named G. Edward Griffin, who has been warning the United States and the world since the 60s of what was coming. And a lot of his work is taken straight from the communist manifestos and writings and promises that they made way back when of what they're going to do, which is now fully activated here and right in front of us. And part of that, uh, one of the chapters included a statement from the socialist slash communist movement to all of its followers saying, we need to begin to amplify such words as racist and white supremacist and neo-Nazi and anti-Semitic they give a whole list of words that if we can get these into the modern day lexicon and use them enough, they will literally become landmines such that such that we can shut down any forward conversations that we don't want to hear. And that's where we are right now. So anything, as we see, it's used all the time, right? It's the man speaks about something that they shouldn't speak about. You're a misogynist. If, if we say, if you run into a transgender person that you don't like because they're doing something horrible and you say, I don't like that person, well, you're you're a transphobe now. So you can't have your own opinion without without these labels that then become, you know, it's stigmatized in the in the public uh, arena such that you, you can't have a voice in the world anymore. You, you're not invited to the town square any longer. And so this is all a part of, of a decades-old agenda to weaponize our language in such a way that we can't speak truth. We can't speak our truth. And there's a reason that the Bible says in the beginning was the word and that the Constitution, the number one, the, the, the very first amendment is freedom of speech and expression. It is it is literally our, our greatest weapon and tool um, of uh to advance the forward evolution of our species. And so that's why it is attacked on what we say, everything we say, and we have to counter that by being uh, louder, clearer, and 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 bolder when it comes to speaking the truth. There's a lot of people that are still keeping their lips zipped because they don't want to face the backlash. And this is not the moment to do that because your silence is literally enabling uh, this plan to overtake your lives and and the lives of your children. And so this is this is the moment for all of us to speak out, which is why I came to the defense of my friend Robert Malone when he was being attacked and other people that were being attacked because I, I, I knew that this was the work happening right now. Uh, it, it always happens to the people that are making the most impact, the people that are the most prominent voices that have the prestige because of what they've done, what they've invented, what they've achieved. And those are the ones that are always, you know, suddenly someone steps out of the wood and says they raped me when I was in college or whatever it is, you know, these 
people that get paid or they just seek fame, whatever it might be, are willing to suddenly step forward and slander the 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 history or, or the character of of these people. Um, you know, take Julian Assange. He's a perfect example of one of the most the bravest journalists on the planet, who is still in exile, still a, a, a political prisoner, and had been accused of rape. And look at all the politicians that are accused of rape, you know, and this is because that's one quick, easy way for for all genders and people to go. If this person is guilty of that, you know, or pedophilia or whatever, there's a lot of people guilty, truly guilty of pedophilia that are never even being accused of it. But the majority of the people who are, are against that. And so that's the that's the easiest way to get people to stop listening to that person. It, the- it happened recently with Matt Schlapp. Uh, who's one of the founders of CPAC, uh, because he was accused of um, soliciting uh, a a male aide. Uh, And uh, there's no witnesses, no documentation, but uh, was very aggressively amplified in the press because of political purposes. Thank you for talking about this, Mickey, that this is absolutely a longstanding trend I think it's it's one of the blessings of of a forty four year marriage uh, that that where we've been uh, faithful and and present with each other is it makes it a lot harder. But this is one of the things I was counseled about right out the out of the box when I started getting attention. Is you know you'll notice uh, I get selfies all the time. You will never see a selfie where I don't have both hands visible. I know it's for exactly this reason. <laughs> It's brilliant. I know. And I've, I've volunteered my services to take pictures with you. I will take pictures with the beautiful women. Dr. Malone has not taken me up on that, but the <laughs> offer is still there. Um, no, but Mickey, what you said, and I know I got a, I've kept you for 30 minutes and I said, I'd let you go. Um, what you said about weaponizing the language is unfortunately there's only one way to go to, to survive it. And it's to just walk through it. I mean, I made a joke earlier about, no, I haven't stopped beating my wife, but really you're a racist. You just go forward. No, I'm I never address it again. Say no, I'm not, and then just move forward. You can't can't get stuck on it. You can't you can't negotiate with terrorists. You 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 don't sit down and show them how you're not. You don't go through your podcast library. And usually, the people I've interviewed, you just say no, I'm not, and you move forward. It's the and it sucks. It's really uncomfortable, but eventually, people will see that it doesn't stick. They just throw. He's a misogynist. He's a racist. Just shut up. Just address the argument. And, and to the people out there who who know know these people, like I, I know Robert Malone, the reason I came to his defense and even did it publicly and, and, and privately with a lot of phone calls, there was a, probably a month-long period, I would say, Robert, right, that I we were a lot of phone calls happening back and forth, and I was mediating between doctors that were having issues and all of that. Um, one of the reasons I did that is because when I released Plandemic in 2020, I had people that I knew for a long time. Some, some of them two decades and they turned on me or they at, they didn't defend my, my character. They know me, they know who I am. And instead of, I was really, really uh, shaken by the fact that so many people uh, didn't come out to say, wait a minute, no, this is not who this person is. And he's, he's not a domestic terrorist and all this. I know him. I know his family. I know what kind of father he is, what kind of husband he is. I too have been with my wife for 20 years. And, um, and that so many people were so afraid of taking the arrows themselves that they didn't stand. And what happened to honor and integrity and loyalty? 
like those principles the, the that is literally what what the foundation of a good character and so i've decided because i knew how it felt when there was such a lack of people and i also know how it felt when the few that did come out and defend me and they got attacked too but they said no i love this person this i call him my brother because of of what we've been through together and i know who he is and i stand for his character and even some of them said i don't necessarily agree with everything in pandemic i think vaccines are important yet i still honor him for speaking what he believes to be true and it was very fair of them and i remember the feeling of just i'd call these people and say thank you thank you for that because i would hope that after you know 20 30 year relationships with people that they wouldn't listen to the media you know something that we know is corrupt and just does nothing but lies they would listen to fact checkers and then suddenly change their opinion of someone they've known for 20 25 years you know it shows a real shallowness in the human in the, in the human character and so i you know for the people that are out there you know witnessing these good people being smeared we can disagree with them you know, I, I was super forthcoming with, with both Robert and Jill. There were areas where I said, I think you're pouring fuel on the fire. I think you should do this and do that and not and 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 not go after legal um, actions or anything like that. But you know what? This is a free country and they get to make their choices. I don't have to agree with that. So they made their choice and I didn't agree with it. And that's okay, but I'm still going to love them. I'm still going to respect them and honor them for, for the, their freedom to choose what they choose in their life. And, and so, you know, we need to get back to those foundational um, morals that have us become good friends and neighbors again, you know, where we, I saw, I see people out there that are slamming their own parents, you know, because they got the vax or didn't get the vax or whatever it is. And this is, you are literally taking the bait. That is what they want is for people yeah. to be so caught up in the ideological, um, propaganda that they're willing to cut ties with family over it. Yeah. And that's one thing I love about my, particularly my wife's family who, you know, we moved her parents and her sisters all, all here across the street and down the street because they're, they're, they're Filipino and there's something in that culture that, that has maintained that sense of loyalty. I have to say, I love the Filipino people and her parents are fully vaxxed and boosted. And they hear our conversations around the table all day long. They don't agree with them, but there's no problem. And we get to hear their side of it. And we just realize that we disagree. And we're concerned about their, the future of their health because of what the choices they made. So we're, we'll always be concerned with that, but we're not going to disrespect them because they're in their seventies and eighties and they get to choose their life. They get to choose, they get to make their own mistakes. And that's how we learn. So it's just very, very imperative that we, before we make any moves and we we exercise this knee-jerk reaction of just of just acting against someone because we've heard a couple of people say bad things, you know, stop and consider what it feels like to be on the receiving end of that, and and know that um, we are literally serving the one of the most nefarious agendas, which is divide, divide and conquer. When we do that, we're we're the ones responsible for that. If there's anything that hopefully the last few years have taught us, is that we have the power to allow this shit to happen, mm -hmm. and so we have the power to stop this shit by taking it by being accountable for our actions and knowing that we enabled all of this. Yes, there is a, a very elite small group of people that are literally wanting to enslave us and reduce the population and make us sick and kill us and everything you can imagine. That's real. 
but the rest of it is is literally enabled by the people. We do it to each other. We are the ones who master our children and let them be social distance in little plastic cages in their classroom. We didn't go in front of those schools. Very few parents did. The ones that did are heroes that went up against the school board and said, hell no, you will not torment my child this way. The rest of them just went, well, I have to work and I don't have time to homeschool and okay. Hell no, never allow that stuff to happen in your family and with your loved ones. That's what we have to say, like grow a pair and step up and, and stop, stop bending to this illogical, harmful ideologies. Beautiful. Nikki, in your film, you use the metaphor of bees spreading pollen, yes. um, which I thought was really effective. And one of the beauties of that is that it's non-judgmental. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that is, uh, you know, the metaphor that I found there was just simply, you know, bees pollinate from one flower to the next, they carry things. And so we do that too. And, and we can, we can spread poison around or we can spread seeds that bloom life. Mm. It's up to us. And one thing you said about, and I think it's the kind of the big important takeaway from all of this is discerning whether or not someone's an FBI paid agitator whether it's just their own ego, whether it's jealousy, paranoia, whatever. There's there's one way you can, I think, remove several of those. And it's if you talk to them, that kind of cuts out two of them, jealousy and paranoia, and they, they cut out whatever they're doing that's hurting the movement. Again, sorry, Joe. In terms of FBI, COINTEL, whatever you want to call it, you can look at it, and I barely understand sports, so bear with me. But it, it, think of like football. Think of you know, Tom Brady. You know, take the snap. You take a couple steps back. If you're just examining it, you're going, "Oh, that guy's a that guy's working for the other team. He's going backwards." Okay, for a couple steps, he's going backwards. But what does he do overall? Oh, he That's then right. threw it for 15 yards, but he took five steps back. They moved 10 yards forward. That's a 10 yard gain. That's a good guy. That's how I look at things. And Mickey, you said that. What is the big picture? Sure, you can have a past here or a past there or whatever. What is the big picture? Are they moving it forward? Are they damaging the evil people at the top? If that's the case, they're moving the ball forward. Shut up. Take the gain. Go win. If, if, I have a quick, quick yeah. story I'll share yeah, here. So go for it. I was part, uh, a big part of the Standing Rock situation that happened back in 2016. And, uh, and we had taken a bunch of filmmakers out there. And at the time, I was an you know, environmentalist, a very um, poorly educated environmentalist, I must say, because I, I've woken up to a lot of the realities of what we were really fighting for and against at that point. But yet I would still, uh, still uh, do everything I can to protect um, cultures like the Lakota people and, and the great people that I've become friends with that are sometimes truly marginalized and sometimes our government runs over them and 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 use them as test subjects and all of that this is a real thing that happens and so i don't regret at all my fight against dapple which is dakota excess pipeline um but quick story we were out there in whatever it was 20 degrees below weather uh, for months i ended up working with that project for two and a half years and and we were in a at the casino hotel room um, with a, a bunch of the filmmakers and people that I brought out so we could start capturing the truth because, of course, the media was not allowing that to happen. And so we were in a meeting and um, of what our next steps would be and what and, and what we would do the next day. And 
And there was a young man sitting on the edge of the bed and, and as a few kind of private strategy, strategic um, things were spoken, he started looking at his phone and texting real quickly. And then he, he looked kind of distraught. I didn't notice it at the time, but then suddenly he got up and left the room and everyone went, did you see that? Did you see what Danny just did? Did you? I knew it. I told you, man, this guy is controlled opposition. I'm telling you right now, the moment we said this, he started sending the text. He got up, he ran out of the room and he, and so I just, I thought oh, I've been here before. I'm the oldest one in the room. Let me find out right now. Let me squash this. So I got up, I ran before I got to the elevator. I caught him. I said, Hey, Danny, come here. I said, so um, what's going on right now? And he goes, what do you mean? I said, uh, why'd you leave the room? Because there's some people back there that are feeling pretty suspicious about your actions and your attitude during the meeting. You didn't seem real present. And when we were smiling and celebrating, you weren't like, like, what's going on? And he shows me his phone. He said, I just found out that my girlfriend's back at home cheating with my best friend. And I said, you just about got crucified for that. So you need to go in and explain to them what was really going on for you. But that's a perfect example of how quick, had I not traced him down, I tell you that young man would have been ousted from the tribe and may have been completely, you know, uh, just, just decimated character wise for the rest of his life by everyone believing that he was some kind of paid infiltrator from Dakota X's pipeline. But it was it's those little moments that trigger the idea. And then it starts to spread. Did you hear what happened? Danny did last night? I did. I knew it. I, did. I felt something weird about him. Yeah, do you know his dad was military? And it starts to go like that. You know? And and so, or I had a great uncle who was part of the oil company. And they, they start to do this stuff and build a whole case against an innocent person. And that's what we have to just stop. You know? Or at least at least slow down because these things are possible to say that that seemed odd, but let's go talk to him and find out what's going on and confront him. And uh, instead of just starting a rumor. Yeah. Yeah, man. Can I, can I um, uh, add a little, another angle to this? Yeah. Uh, and I don't want to suck up too much time. We have a, we have an issue going on right now as we emerge from the darkness of what's been done to us. Uh, there's there's no question, I don't think any of us would debate that uh, the world in the Western world has been subjected to the most amazing, coordinated, harmonized propaganda campaign probably in the history of the West over the last three years. And uh, uh, I was recently... Uh, listening to a 1962 uh, discussion from Huxley. Uh, Mickey, this is the kind of thing you love. Uh, uh, that was on um, the After School channel that does those great illustrations. And uh, Huxley made the point that 20% of the population, this is 62 he's talking about, is easily hypnotized 20% is completely resistant to hypnosis, and the other 60 are kind of on a continuum in the in, in, in between those two. And the, in his perception, this was this is actually a good thing for society. 60 mix persisted through a lot of different situations, and the 20% of the population likewise was really susceptible to propaganda. And 60% was fairly susceptible to government propaganda. 
and about 20% was completely resistant. So these are the ones that in the current situation are the awake or the awoken, is those that are resistant to propaganda or hypnosis. And uh, the 60% are the persuadable middle. Here's the thing. That 60% subjected to military-grade psyops propaganda now for three years has essentially been hypnotized, and they have said and done some really ugly things, as has the 20% that are completely in the narrative and completely resistant to anybody trying to change their minds. And if we bring hate to our transactions with that 60% of this persuadable middle, we can never bring them over to our side and we can never get the majority that we need if we want to change governmental policy. And the only way that we're going to be able to help those people wake up is if we approach them with open hearts, if we approach them with hate and anger, they will immediately reject anything we say, and we will com be completely unsuccessful in trying to help them to wake up to what's been done to them. Mm -hmm. And this is something that a lot of people find really hard to swallow. It, it is, in a sense, the fundamental message in the Christian uh, teaching to turn the other cheek. Mm -hmm. But in in the critic, you know, this is sometimes weaponized against me as yet more evidence that I'm controlled opposition because I'm advising that we should approach people with an open heart. Uh, and I'm absolutely not saying we should forgive Rochelle Walensky, Tony Fauci, Deborah Burks, or the multitude that have lied to us and, and been essentially the puppet masters here. But for, for the people in our lives, your mother, your aunt, the poor soul in the grocery line that's still wearing a face nozzle, um, approaching them with anger and hate will never win them over, will never allow us to succeed. We have to somehow, those of us that are awake, swallow it. Uh, and even though we may still be burning inside, don't direct that at the average person in our lives because we're never going to be able to bring them um, unless we approach them with an open heart and an open mind. I love that. Absolutely. I love that. I appreciate that. Beautifully said. Uh, another quick story. Christmas last year, I live in Texas where we rarely see a mask unless you go to downtown. Um, and I was Christmas Eve going through a, a mall. And I was, I think is one of the new variants was, you know, making its rounds uh, on the news. Um, and I, I was just amazed at how many people were wearing a mask. And I was going up an escalator, and a father was coming down holding a, a, a baby, maybe a year old, with a mask. And I just had a, ooh, a real quick, like, I wanted to jump over the other side of the elevator and take that baby and just, you know, you don't deserve this child because of what you're... And I just had this... Now, believing, I believe that the human body is a receiver and broadcaster of, of what I call infinite intelligence. People call it God, whatever you want to call it. They were always able to receive what informs all of nature and the birds. How do birds fly? Thousand, thousand birds make one body and they turn on a dime together as if as if they're all being informed by one source. How does that how does that happen? I believe that our bodies receive and broadcast. And so I always ask myself, what am I broadcasting in this moment? 
And in that moment, I asked that question because I was just filled with rage. And I thought, so here I am, I need to take responsibility for what my body is broadcasting. Because when we all do that, like the cells in our bodies, every cell in your body is lit up with, with the su support of your life, then you're healthy. If the cells are questioning what their job is and what they do, they clump together. We've seen the, the high-powered microscopes that can read this stuff. They don't move as much. They're, they, they don't flow in your bloodstream. And so I, I, I equate each body on this planet as being a cell in the body of life, right? And so I had to ask myself, what am I projecting right now? What am I broadcasting right now? It's not good. And so I have to be responsible for what I'm broadcasting, knowing that there's a ripple effect. And if you're powerful enough of a, of a broadcaster, you know, how many watts you put out, you can affect a lot of people around you. And so I stopped, I got to the top of the escalator and I just, I said, I asked, I just asked myself, I asked the infinite intelligence, God, I said, um, help me with this one. Because I don't want to be broadcasting this in this mall right here on Christmas day before Christmas. This is just not, this is not healthy. And now I'm responsible for the very thing that I, I, I want to dissolve in the world. And the answer that I got back was amazing. So that man is making the ultimate sacrifice to wake everyone else up. Hmm. And when I looked at it from that perspective and I thought, wow, well, poor child that this, they have to unwittingly be the, the sacrifice. But this person somehow is playing a role in this incredible chess game we call life to sacrifice the oxygen that is needed for that developing you know, little brain of his beautiful little child is somehow so bought into this to be so paranoid that he would put a mask on a one-year-old infant to wake the rest of us up. That, that, that new perspective of just that some people play a part so that the rest of us can see the reflection of that and know what not to do, change the way that I see the people that I once just discarded as being stupid. Mm. Now I can I literally walk by like I do a service person or a police officer and say, thank you for your service, because I know what's really happening there if we're able to observe it from a higher perspective. Mm. Yeah, safety guidelines are written in blood, right? someone yeah. someone paid for it i always you know i always bring this up is I, I lost a sibling to suicide in 2014 but i have a podcast fifteen thousand people listen and just the other day i had on some veterans that run this you know non-profit you know suicide prevention for veterans with ptsd i would have never had them on here had i not i would have been like oh that's cool and you know gone about it I would never do that. So you do have to, what is the purpose of it? What is the sacrifice? And to what Dr. Malone said about that 60% in the middle, if you attack them and belittle them, you're just doing the work of the people at top. You're making them hate you now. You you don't go to your grandparents and go, you idiot, you smoke cigarettes. You don't yell at your dad and go, you have asbestos in you. You know, If some kid in 50 years looks at me and goes like, you know, oh, like you, you're a victim of what we'll find out Wi-Fi gets you cancer or something, or you're full of microplastics. I'll be like, I didn't know. What do I know? And now instead of being resistant to change, I'm just going to just, just screw this kid, right? I'm not going to. So that's another thing is it's not just like a nice feel-good thing. It's also tactically how you fight this. You don't go, you idiot. I mean, yeah, you don't. I mean, yeah, just open your heart and be like, yeah, man, I'm an idiot too. Like, I, I get it. You know, I get it. You, but you don't you don't yell at someone for that. It's just that's infantile, and it's also uh, you know disadvantageous to the movement. Again, apologize for that. But um, yeah, I think that's the the real takeaway of all of it is 
is the person doing positive work are they moving the ball down the field and are we attacking someone out of our own ego or are we opening our heart and being like yeah that person is a victim of military grade propaganda just exactly yeah 20 yep. plus 20 plus years ago i stood on the rubble of the world trade center this is an event that changed my life particularly changed my career i was in new york to work out a distribution deal for my first movie and it just so happened that that's when the world trade center was attacked and uh, it's just kind of in my in my system to run in the opposite direction when the people are running away i, I tend to run into the, the trouble and uh, and so i did that and i ended up doing search search and rescue for three days and but it was about day two that we were ordered to actually take a nap because the people running it, it uh, knew that you know no one had slept and that we were going to be uh, a danger to everyone around us if we didn't get some kind of a rest and so I, I tried to take a nap and i had a little flashback of the first body that we had found which was crushed under a, a fire truck and um, i had this very lucid experience that happened and and i i there was no way that i could sleep and i I set up and I rubbed my eyes and then I had this voice that came through and it said, this could be your Vietnam or, and it was just so vivid. I just thought, or what, what, come on, <laughs> spit it out, tune the dial, finish your statement. What happened there? Where'd the, where'd the signal go? It, or, but the aura was up to me to find. And so I suited back up and I went back out on, onto the rubble and, and I had this really profound awakening that took place because I was, um, I was shown what this fable of the crossroads of life really means. Like you get, you, there's a choice point, you get to choose. And so I was left with this choice of, I realized, okay, my experience of Vietnam vets was that they're the men that I see on the corner with a sign that says, help me. And I could choose to allow this experience to take me down mentally such that I become one of those men on the corner with a sign that says, please help me. Or I realized what that or meant. I get to choose. And in that moment, I literally chose gratitude. I got to be in a spot standing on the very spot where the entire world was focused. I felt the suddenly this massive world was so small. I could feel the presence of the attention of 7 billion people looking at one spot on the planet. And I was there at the, at the, in the Mecca of it. And suddenly this idea of we are one became real for me. And I made a decision at that point, this will not take me down. This will not ruin my health because we were also told what we were breathing. We knew that. And I, I know the power of placebo. I know the power of the mind. So I said, I don't, if I go with that, it will take me down, but I would choose not to. And I, and I had one lung infection 10 years later, nothing ever since. Some people I was with, I, that I was with in that moment are, are no longer with us. And some are in very bad shape. I just got a, someone that I was with reached out to me a month ago saying they're, they're just now experiencing some issues and they're, they're gonna file a lawsuit and wanted to know if I wanna be part of it. I said, no, I don't wanna buy into that at all because I'm fine, I'm healthy, and this thing was a catalyst for the work that I'm doing now. Because at the, at the crossroads, could have sold my soul to the, 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 to the devil, or I could have walked on and stayed on my path. And that's what I chose. And so this COVID situation, it, we're at the same choice point. 
are we going to, it's wonderful that, you know, trust for our government is at 20 some percent and trust for our media is at 20 some percent. These are all wonderful things to lose trust in that authoritative, those bodies, but to lose trust in humanity, to lose trust in, in the, you know, the white coats, posers like Dr. Fauci, absolutely wonderful, but to not give up on the cells within the human organism, because it is what gives all of us life. We are at a choice point of how are we going to grow from the, the torment and the tyranny that we've all endured for the past several years? Are we going to let this make us bitter, angry, distrustful loners in the world, depressed and, and, and full of anxiety? If so, they win. That's what Big Pharma wants, because then you're going to need synthetic remedies to survive. Or are we going to let this thing elevate us to understanding how precious every damn breath is? how precious our family is, our freedoms are, our relationships are, and this country is. It's our choice. Beautifully said. And in terms of losing trust, you should lose trust. And that's also why you should buy Dr. Malone's book, Lies My Government Told Me. And uh, <laughs> everyone, you just had a fast one pulled on you. This has been a 56-minute infomercial. Don't trust us. We are we are page ad, paid agitators for the for big publishing. <laughs> um, I thought it'd be so funny right now if uh, all of our backgrounds changed. Like they're all green screens, and it's just the the, the big seal of the CIA and their marble <laughs> foyer, and we're all sitting in there like looking around. Like, oh shit! Like <laughs> that would be the best thing. That would break some brains. Um, but Doctor Malone, Mister Mickey Wills, thank you so much, gentlemen. This was a beautiful episode. I will put, obviously, the link to your book, Dr. Malone, Twitter, Getter, Substack, and Mickey, I will put uh, the video to our birthright, and as well as anything else you want in the description, please text to me, I'll just put it in there. Well, well he needs, you have to you have to provide a pointer to his uh, Plandemic website, too. Yeah, course. yeah, yeah, give me all the goodies, and I'll put them in the description. Plandemicseries.com. Plandemicseries.com. And I thought it was funny, I was, I was planning that line about the buy the book, and I was like, this is going to be funny, nice closer. <laughs> and then the screen over your shoulder turned off right when I opened my mouth. And that really was, now I'm getting a little conspiracy theory. Like what the hell is going on? And uh, yeah. I'm going to say that no book authors ever say, do not buy my book. Don't buy the book. Don't ever buy the book. Yeah. Because it's free. Go to pandemicseries.com and download it for free. Oh, big flex. Yeah. And um <laughs> and anyone out there, if uh, you want to start some cons conspiracies that I'm a paid agitator or that I am a, uh, controlled opposition i welcome it anything to get this podcast some traction and more subscribers cia dia whatever you want make it up you have free reign with it i can be illuminati i can be Klaus schwab whatever you need get those going about me not dr malone not mickey but get them going about me anything to get these numbers up i'm fine without any tactic unrestricted warfare um gentlemen <laughs> thank you so if, much if anyone's controlled opposition is someone with a baby face like yours oh you oh you <laughs> it would be me right white guy white guy blue eyes american flag cross, cross around his neck who is this guy saying hey guys don't look under the cup don't look any deeper than it is me right yeah no it's not me i wish it was me because that would imply that i'm so much more important than i am and my ego would love that but instead i'm in a room by myself screaming at a camera trying to stay relevant so gentlemen hey, you're, you're a great podcaster i've enjoyed oh, this thank you sir I, I i greatly appreciate that dr malone's one-upping me with i don't know what kind of microphone that is but it looks like something from area 51 he's totally <laughs> totally flexing on me and he's got a new camera so i gotta bump up my game um gentlemen thank you so much for your time and patience 
Mickey, please text me the links to Plandemic and any social media. I'll put that in the description. Dr. Malone, thank you. And of course, the unsung hero, Miss Dr. Glasspool, Jill Malone. I butchered that. Thank you for your patience for our, our movements. Thank you so much. You understand. <laughs> everybody, thank you for watching. Thank you so much, everybody. God bless. Recording Stay safe out stopped. There. Peace.